This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi, welcome to the H Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is Carmen Furrow and this is Lynn Furrow, the founder of Summit Life Ministries. Our mission at Summit Life Ministries is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see our identity through God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective and empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. So here we are, living in faith-filled obedience, our eyes fixed on the prize, keeping our focus on Jesus, and wanting to hear from Him and develop a hearing heart. Well, here we go again, another episode on uh, developing a hearing heart. And I want to be very intentional and focused to look at a passage of Scripture that for the last three episodes I've wanted to get into. Uh, But we have just been sharing a little bit about the importance of why uh, we want to have a heart that hears. Mm -hmm. And I want to shift the focus uh, today to talk about things that compete Mm. uh, with our heart or that is in competition for our heart would be a better way of stating that because the enemy knows that we were created by God to have intimacy with him and that God created your heart and biblically when we look at the heart uh, it is a very distinctive word and concept that is used in both the Old and New Testament and really, it's a, it's a meeting place for our spirit and also then what we would call the seat of our understanding, which is our soul. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a place of transmission and translation. So God is a spirit and revelation comes from him, from his spirit and our spirit is now in union with God's spirit we're indwelled by that spirit but that uh, revelation that is received by the spirit has to be translated and brought to us to where we have understanding ah God just spoke to me God spoke to me and God spoke to me this And so many times God wants to illuminate our understanding and we call that our, the, the, the seed of our, uh, understanding. Uh, there's an aspect of a volitional part of us, of our will is involved in yielding to here, to lean in to here. There is an emotional component of our soul realm Mm -hmm. where God sometimes will simply communicate to us. And we feel what God feels. When the Bible tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion, mm-hmm. that wasn't that was an emotional experience for him. But the 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 emotions was motivated by a revelation of the heart of God that Jesus was experiencing from the Father in that moment. So he mm-hmm. felt what God felt about the people that Jesus was having compassion towards and feeling compassion for so 
there have been times where I've been in worship and God didn't speak to me anything, but I felt his affection. I felt his delight. I felt his joy over me. And of course, as he rejoices over us, it rejoices us. It, it restores our soul. So if I, my soul has been downcast and emotionally I've been low, all of a sudden I'm lifted up and God uses my range of emotions and he, he plays the strings of my heart and he makes a melody in my heart by his song over me. And again, I feel what God feels. But then there's a part of our mind. So it's our mind, our will, and emotions. So God wants to uh, work with my will, making it yielding to him to where I, I lean into his will. I experience, I interact with his will. What is your desire, God? Mm -hmm. What is it that you long for? And I, I, my will then begins to align itself with what God desires and longs for. And just what I uh, said a few uh, seconds ago, you know, he makes me feel what he feels. So my emotions are involved. But then my mind, I start beginning to think thoughts that are the thoughts of God. And he allows us to know um, his mind, his thoughts, his intentions, and, and we then begin to comprehend it. And, and Paul calls it the renewal of our mind because yeah. God's thoughts and his ways are far above my thought capacities and my, my ability to comprehend how he thinks, the way he thinks, his perspective that, that frames his mindsets. So God wants me to be able to have my mind renewed so that when he thinks a thought and reveals that thought to me, I don't reject it. I don't, I don't go, ah, that doesn't have any meaning or value. No, as my mind is renewed, I begin to go, that, that, that's beyond my thoughts. Right. That could have been a thought of God. And so I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to think on that. And then God confirms or God continues to speak to us. So... My that comes out of the spirit, but then my understanding becomes fruitful. I begin to go, no, that was a thought that God planted in in my mind, or that was a feeling because I wasn't feeling that way a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I was really down, and now I feel lifted up. It's because that came from the spirit into my soul realm. And so the spirit and the soul, they join together and the Bible describes that meeting place, that interface of the spirit and the soul as the heart of man. And so that's why we say we want to develop a hearing heart. Well, the enemy knows that God created this, this meeting place of the spirit and the soul called the heart so that God could communicate mm -hmm. and God could express himself to us and that we could develop a closeness and intimacy there. He knows um, that capacity. So what he wants to do is he wants to compete and run a competition for the hearts of men. Mm -hmm. And number one, he wants to fill our hearts with other things than spiritual things, than the voice of God. 
But he also wants to dull our heart, or what the Bible uses as a phrase, harden our heart. He wants our heart to become just totally non-responsive to what God would say or what God would want us to experience and feel. Uh, And he wants to dull us, harden us, or he wants to fill us with competitive things uh, that literally crowd out the ability of us to be able to hear the voice of God. He wants other voices to drown out uh, the voice of the Lord. So a key thing that I found in my own life, and when I talk about this spiritual discipline, and our greatest enemy that this discipline brings discipline to, an aspect of our life. Um, I'm not saying that when we talk about spiritual disciplines, uh, the, the word discipline is an appropriate word because it requires consistency. Mm-hmm. It requires constancy. I mean, it, it requires a serious intention to it. And I find that my soul realm wants to be undisciplined. I want to think what I want to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to feel what I want to feel. I want to do what I want to do. You know, I want my will to assert itself above the will of God. And all of those thoughts, when I say, I want to entertain my mind with other thoughts than the thoughts of God, or I want to, I want to allow my emotions. I, 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 I don't feel like I'm, I'm happy today. I feel kind of down. I'm just going to go there. I'm going to see how low I can go. It's amazing how our soul will determine uh, the outcome of a day. And so what I have to do is I have to set my spiritual house in order. I have to say, uh, and that's why the Bible encourages us to talk to ourselves, speak to ourselves. We have to discipline ourselves. So I have to say, soul, soul man, you're not going to be the soul out of control today. You're not going to think what you want to think. You're not going to do what you want to do. And you're not going to feel, allow your emotions to be your master and take you where they want to take you to see how low you can go. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. And then instruct it. Put your hope in God. Absolutely. That's that's a great (laughs) psalm. I think I use that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And the... Well, and I hope it's not in relationship to our marriage. <laughs> no, nope, just the stuff of life. <laughs> um, but the psalmist did instruct his soul. He said, why do you feel this way today? Mm-hmm. There is hope in God. And you're not putting your hope in God. You, you yeah. have put your hope on some faulty, idle, or unrealistic expectation. And now mm-hmm. you're disappointed. You need to reset your hope. Right. You need to refix your hope. So the discipline that I want to talk about is not easy, but is an essential discipline that I think every Christ follower, every true disciple of Jesus needs to begin to cultivate in their spiritual life. And when you cultivate this discipline, it does that. It brings discipline to parts of your being that needs to uh, be communicated that Jesus is the Lord of your life and he has the rights to reign over your thoughts, over your emotions and over your will. And, and so we bring discipline 
uh, to the heart and say, heart, you will, soul realm, you will yield to the purpose for which God created you. And that was to have intimacy, fellowship, and interactive experience with the Spirit of God. So what is this discipline? Okay. <laughs> you what is the appetite. What is this discipline? It is learning to quiet our soul. And so that takes us to the text in Psalms 131, uh, verses 1 through 3. Only three verses in this psalm, but I'm going to read it to you. And this was a, a song of David. David was the one uh, who wrote this. He said, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. And I'm going to unpack the content of that first verse because it's loaded with some very important perspectives that David had to grow in. You know, perspectives are a, a part of a maturing process that we have. Mm -hmm. And just in the natural, you know, your, your kids um, value certain things at certain age stages that they're consumed by the importance of that activity or the importance of, of them getting something that their, their, their heart is set and fixed on. Mm -hmm. But as you mature, those things that you thought were so important to you, you realize that that should not be the highest priority, that there are much bigger things that are a higher priority, but, but your, your age progression, your age stage, and your place in life has enlarged your worldview to see what is the most important. So it's amazing as I interact with our 10-year-old daughter, how that she tries to agendize our days with the things that she thinks are of highest priority. And so it's about certain activities that entertain her. She's a very social person. So she has this list of friends and, and things that she wants to engage in to where she can have a social life. And sometimes it's like, Karis, get a perspective. Your schoolwork and you having an education <laughs> is much more important than a play date over at a friend's house right now. You need to learn to read, write, and do arithmetic <laughs> uh, because we want you to be literate as you finish your homeschooling career with the Furrow family. And so, but her perspective sets her priorities. Yeah. And that as you age and as you mature, not just age, mm -hmm. you've got to mature with the age that God has given you, the time that God has given you. Use it to mature your priorities and your perspective uh, change. That's a really good point because even in our Christian life, just time passing doesn't mean growth and maturity. It, Absolutely. It, there's growth in your body but and, and age progression in your body, but, but there is pressing in, leaning into grace to grow in maturity that is not automatic. And many Christians, unfortunately, have delayed maturity or what I call arrested development. And, and I'm in the process of, of writing a book, painfully slow, but I'm writing a book. One of the chapters is going to be called Arrested Development. 
And I think many Christians delay their growth. They delay their development and in growing up into him who is the head, growing up into Christ, because they refuse uh, to adjust their perspective. Mm -hmm. In this passage of scripture, David, you can tell, has grown in a perspective. And what it has done is it's reoriented his priorities and it's reoriented how he views himself in relationship to God, his importance, his significance, his identity is shaped by this perspective. And so he makes a statement, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. He boldly proclaims and professes, I'm not an arrogant or a proud man, which is an admission that at one time, he had some pride that he had really dealt with. Yeah. That at one time he thought he was all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> and, and David had uh, you know, a number of successes that came together for him in God's destiny for his life. And, and if you don't know how to handle success, it can inflate your ego mm -hmm. and make you think something about yourself that is really not a true uh, measure of, uh, of an appropriate evaluation and a perspective of who you are. And so, you know, he was a giant slayer. I mean, this guy was a young warrior. Um, he, he had killed a lion, he had killed a bear. I mean, this guy was a trophy hunter, you know? And uh, my family and my sons, we, we enjoy hunting. And uh, I think some of my boys more than I do now, because okay. uh, maybe it's a maturity thing <laughs> that Your my perspective has <laughs> changed, that my manhood is not defined whether I kill a deer or not. But, you know, David could have, you know, had that bear stuffed mm -hmm. in, in his dad's house or the lion and, and pointed to his brothers. Hey, I killed the <laughs> lion way before you did, and I'm one of the youngest in the family. But then, you know, he got unbelievable notoriety when he killed Goliath. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, God set the stage where it was a, um, you know, a single combat situation. It wasn't he led an army to victory. No, it was man on man, and he slew the giant. And then from there, it, he was catapulted in his notoriety where he was given a leadership in the army of Israel. He became known as one of the leading officers in the army. And he led that army from victory to yeah. victory. And that's why the ladies of Israel, the women of Israel on one of the victory processions when they were coming uh, home from battle, they said, Saul, the king, is a mighty warrior, and he's killed thousands. But David is a greater warrior than the king. He has killed tens of thousands. And from that moment on, uh, obviously, it set up a prophetic scenario where this young man who has been was getting maximum publicity, good press, great notoriety, and the fruit and effect of that had obviously caused him to feel like I'm pretty special and there have been prophecies that have indicated how great I am and and how much greater I'm going to be 
But then God had to do something in David to um, humble him and to begin to do a deep work within his character because God could not promote him to the place that he was going to take him based on those prophecies Mm -hmm. unless this fundamental issue that in this psalm David talks about the adjustment that has occurred in his life and how he has learned to humble himself. And so um, Mm -hmm. you don't have to humble yourself unless you know and acknowledge that there's pride in your life. Because you're already humble. David was a man that you can see. He humbled himself. uh, And he was acknowledging, there are some issues in my life where pride has existed or does exist. And I need to acknowledge that and humble myself before the Lord. So at this stage, David has adjusted his perspective, how he views himself. And he is now the king. He is now enthroned and he has authority over all the nation of Israel. He is at the apex of his spiritual or his his kingly authority and power, has great wealth, mm-hmm. has had success in enlarging the borders of Israel, larger than they've ever been. And what they have is a king who's not saying, look at my accomplishments, But when he talks to the Lord, he says, Lord, my heart is not lifted up and my eyes are not raised too high. And he makes the statement. He says, I do not occupy myself with things that are too great and too marvelous for me. And I'm going to impact that a little more where he talks about the limitations that he now recognizes Mm. where we use the terms go for it just do it the 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 sky is the limit no david said there are some things that i realize that um, i have some definitive limitations and there are things that i could spend my life and invest myself in trying to discover or to try to do or to try some things that I could try to accomplish. But I realized that's not what God wants Mm -hmm. me involved in. And just because other people are doing it or just we look at, we measure our success by other people that are doing powerful, notable, relevant things. um, I'm not going to enter into that arena I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to stay in the wheelhouse of what God has called me to. And I'm just going to walk humbly before my God. And I'm going to, but but he makes this, in the English translation, it's translated this. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But verse 2 but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. 
Now we're going to stop there. And I, I just gave, you know, some highlights there where we just reviewed this. We're going to unpack it in detail and a detailed teaching, but we want to learn to develop a quiet soul mm -hmm. and, a, and a soul that is quiet. Here's the voice of God, but a quiet soul is a humble soul. And the Bible says, the humble shall what, Carmen? They shall hear. Hear of it and be glad. Hear of it and be glad. In other words, those that have cultivated intentionally a humility, and they've learned to humble themselves before God, there, there is this transition that begins to occur where things that I'm trying to attain or grasp after, I begin to say, no, I'm going to learn to humble myself. And the humble, the, the, the fruit and effect of humility is it brings a quietness to our soul so that we can hear of it, hear of the Lord, hear what God is saying. And then it produces a joy, a contentment and a satisfaction within us that the world and a peace that the world cannot take away from us. And truly, we want to be in, in the world in which we, in the noisy, uh, clamorous world that we live in now, we want to be islands of peace. We want to be sanctuaries yeah. in the middle of a lot of a stormy weather. And uh, God wants that. He wants us to have a humble and a quiet soul. Love you guys. Bless you. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Thank you for joining us. If you could like this episode and share it, then the other people who are connected to you can hear this and they can rejoice and be glad and be encouraged in their hearts also. If you have any questions, you can find out more information at summitlifeministries.com and we welcome any questions or comments that you have below. And we appreciate your prayers. We're praying for you that God's word will run swiftly and be glorified in your lives and in the arena, the arena and the people that you touch in Jesus' name. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.